0: Hey everybody, this is Gus G and you're listening to Diary of a Madman, the ultimate Aussie podcast.
1: Welcome back to another edition of Diary of the Mad Men, the ultimate Ozzy Osbourne podcast, where we discuss everything Ozzy and Ozzy related. I am Josh Crum, and with us as always is the man, Dan Drago. How's it going, Dan?
0: It is going awesome. This has been an amazing week. The new Halloween is out. A couple of Ozzy tidbits came out this week, so it's just been fantastic. How are you doing, man?
1: I'm doing good. Yeah, good week for me also. Of course, the Halloween season's always my favorite time of year. We do a lot for the yard and stuff like that. And I think most of our listeners, if you love Ozzy Osbourne, you very likely also love Michael Myers. So tell me, Dan, what did you think about Halloween Kills?
0: Well, before I get into the movie, I just want to let the listeners know, it's really amazing that Josh and I have so much in common. I mean, obviously it's Ozzy that drew us together. We've been friends now for going on probably, what, 10 years or something. But once we started discussing other things, everything from football to you know our families, but we were both gigantic horror movie fans. And Michael Myers, Friday the 13th, the Evil Dead series, these are all just so important to Josh and I. Ryan is the same way, our guest Ryan that comes on, uh, he'll be on again soon here shortly, hint, hint. But- I just want to let the listeners know that this is another huge passion of Josh and I. We could probably even do a horror movie podcast, to be honest, Josh.
1: Oh, there's no question about that. You know, when I was a teenager, I had a six foot tall mannequin of Michael Myers in my bedroom that I woke up to every morning. It was the first thing I saw was this six foot tall imposing figure looking over my bed. So, yeah, it's definitely something that I've always had a passion for. Most kids did in our era. You know, we grew up in the golden era of slashers, you know, with Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees and Leatherface and Freddy Krueger. You know, we grew up in such a good era of that. And those movies are still so iconic. That's the reason they still make them. But yeah, it's something that definitely helps you and I connect on even more of a level than Ozzy Osborne. We really do share a lot of the same passions and stuff. So that's definitely one of them. And we've definitely been extremely excited about the new series in general of Halloween films, the trilogy from, yeah. uh, from Blumhouse and David Gordon, Green and, Gany- and, uh, David Gordon Green and uh, yep. uh, David Gordon Green. And for me, 2018 was a, a grand slam. I absolutely loved it. We've discussed this in private. I know you like it, but not quite to the level that I try to put it at. Because I walked out of the theater in 18 and was like, man, is this the best sequel they've ever done? And three years later, I think I stand by that. I think that's the best sequel they have. I really enjoyed 2018.
0: Oh, Uh, No question. The best sequel is Halloween 2 from 1981. It's not even close.
1: I do love Halloween 2. I watched it last night, so it's you know it's not that it's, it's definitely not a, a knock on two. I just felt like 18 was so creative and came out of uh, kind of came out of thin air for the franchise. Really, I mean after Rob Zombie films, it was kind of a little bit I don't want to say dead because there's always been such an, a love affair for Michael Myers in popular media and popular culture but
0: well listen it is way better than the rob zombie catastrophe i'm not a fan of those movies at all i don't feel like they had the vibe and feel of the halloweens the first one is okay And Halloween 2 by Rob Zombie is one of the worst horror movies I've ever seen, quite frankly. So David Gordon Green has got it. And Dan McBride has got it back on the right track. There's no question. But Halloween 1 and Halloween 2 are sacred for me. But these are good. I think overall, Halloween 2018 is a little better than Halloween Kills. We're going to try to do this as best as we can without spoilers. I do have issues with 18. And I have issues with Halloween 21. And they're both kind of similar. In 18, I really struggled with how they handled Laurie's character. I did not feel like that was really what Laurie Strode would become this hard ass very Linda Hamilton from the Terminator badass i just i didn't buy it and i didn't like it and this one they do the same thing with Tommy Doyle and i just did not like the direction that they did and i love Anthony Michael Hall so hats off to his performance again it was a problem with the script I didn't like the way they uh, took the character.
1: I didn't either. The script, that's actually what I was getting ready to say. As much as I enjoyed Halloween 2018 when I left the theater and I thought, man, is this the best sequel they've ever done. I left the theater with the exact opposite feeling this time. I felt gut punched, as our friend Ryan said he felt when he came out of the theater this time. I just didn't understand where they went wrong. I really was sitting there. And then at the latter part of the movie, we don't want to do spoilers. But there was a moment where I was like, holy shit, this is the climax of the movie. And I was like, that's it? And I felt so disappointed. And ultimately, I came home and I rewatched the film on Peacock. I streamed it at the house. And on the second viewing, I completely flipped script and loved it. I think what it is is after much discussion, I think you'll agree. When Michael Myers is on the screen, it's completely gold. And he slays James Jude Courtney is the man, you know, I compare it to like James Bond movies. There's all these James Bond movies and different people play James Bond and some people like Sean Connery and this and that. James Jude Courtney is the best Michael Myers, I think, really overall. No disrespect to Nick Castle and Tony Moran. I mean, they clearly laid the blueprint for how this guy would look and walk and act. Nothing ever tops the original Halloween. We all know that.
0: It's my favorite horror movie of all time.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, without question, it's mine also. It's my favorite movie of all time. I would assume your favorite horror movie may be your favorite movie. I don't know.
0: No, I'm, I'm different because I like all the mob movies, too. But, yes, I love Halloween.
1: I thought you were going to say, well, no, there's always Somewhere Over the Rainbow or whatever that movie what was. The movie <laughs> Wizard of Oz. Like but, the Wizard of no, Oz, yeah. I do like the Wizard of Oz. It's very ahead of its time. Uh, honestly, I watch The Wizard of Oz about once a year. I'm 41 years old and probably saw it every year of my life if I'm honest about it. That's great. But no, I just think James Duke Courtney has taken it to another level, and really, he saves this film in a lot of ways. He's so good as Michael. I love the way he, you know, he said after 18 that he studied cats, how cats moved and acted, and that's kind of what he mimics when he when he's portraying Michael. it's just moving like a cat. I love his his, his build for the role. He looks, you know, what I want Michael to look like. You know, like Rob Zombie's Michael's were always so big and bulky. I kind of hated that. It's been about 50 50 on how people feel about this film. If you felt like you were let down and didn't really enjoy it, I do strongly encourage a second viewing because it really helped me so much. I was able to, I felt like if Michael wasn't on screen, then it was kind of cheesy. I, d- I didn't really care for the dialogue. I really didn't care for some of the other things going on in the movie, some of the side stories, so to speak.
0: I think you're right. When Michael is on screen, it's some of the best kills maybe in Halloween history. It's amazing some of the setups they have for Michael in this one. I would say I really, really enjoyed the scenes they filmed after Halloween 1978 ended. I love the way they handled the shots done in 1978. I thought that was a good script. I thought the acting was great. I love all of that stuff. I did have a problem with one plot point later on in the movie that I think you alluded to. They would have just cleaned that up. I think it would have been excellent. But that plot point really
1: bothered the shit out of me, to be honest. Me too. Uh, that was the whole hang up. But otherwise, Michael is phenomenal. And let's be real. Who are we all going to see anyway other than Michael? And when he's slams people in the fashion he does in Halloween Kills, how can you ultimately not enjoy it? You know, so on the second viewing, that's kind of what I went into it. remembering: It's like, OK, so I know plot line wise, I wasn't crazy about it. So let me just enjoy what I do. And that was Michael laying waste to Olive Haddonfield. And he does in this movie in a epic kind of way that will always be remembered. And, you know, it, it is the middle part of a trilogy, which is always the toughest film, right? They always said it's kind of hard to do the middle part. And I think this film might suffer from that a little bit. But at the same time, as long as Michael is doing his thing, I think the rest of us are all happy. So it's all good.
0: The kills are great. It's got a super high kill count, probably the highest in Halloween history. Other big news this week is Down to Earth is 20 years old and Ozzy released a surprise version. 20th anniversary edition online, Josh. Did you catch that? Well, I know you did. We talked about it.
1: Well, of course we talked about it, but yeah. So uh, we wake up Friday morning and Ryan has texted us and says, why is Dreamer Acoustic Aussie's latest release on my phone? And uh, it was kind of like, what? And then, you know, you quickly scroll over to Apple Music or Spotify or whatever we use. I use Apple. And there is the down to earth 20th anniversary edition.
0: I want to say for the record. When Ryan texted that that morning, I didn't see online that it was the 20th anniversary. I had already known in my head it was the 20th anniversary when I texted that back and said, oh, it's probably for the 20th anniversary. It was kind of a surprise when I clicked on the link and that's exactly what it was.
1: Oh, well, good job, Mr. Down on golf clap, everyone. Golf clap.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Hey, I have to pat myself on the back a little bit there. I'm really excited about it though. I think it has, you know, it's not massively different sounding. You know, I think the original Tim Palmer version is good. The thing that I was really excited about is now they added the three bonus tracks, which is Dreamer Acoustic, No Place for Angels, and gets me through single version. And you and I had all of those, but it's really cool to see them on Spotify and Amazon, and we can stream them now. I think the sound in No Place for Angels is the best. To me, the drums on the original were definitely drum machine-like. And they've done a really good job of cleaning them up and bringing them much more to the forefront. I think that song has improved the most.
1: That's well, the first thing we do, right? We go straight to the bonus tracks and No Place for Angels and Dreamer Acoustic. And, and you always want to go to those and hear how much better they sound because those are usually the ones that didn't quite get the treatment of the others on the traditional release. So yeah, I'm like you. They sound really good. They sound better. It's like you said, not noticeably different because the album already had good production. And it's not all that old. I mean, technology in 2001, you know, we've come a long way since, but it wasn't like, you know, these Black Sabbath remasters from 1973. You know what I mean? It's a totally different universe of that. But yeah, they sound really good. I thought the guitars sounded really good and crisp. The drums in general sounded better on this album, on the remaster now. So yeah, it was a fun little surprise. I mean, they didn't, they're did not they not asking us for anything. They're streaming for free. There's been no promotion for it. It's just something they kind of threw out there for the fans. And, you know, why not? And it's just a good way to bring a little recognition to an album that, you know, for the most part, is kindly underrated. Yeah, it is very underrated,
0: actually. I think it's going to bring us to a topic today pretty soon. But I will tell you, there is a lot, I believe, on the cutting room floor for this record. We know Ozzy demoed a lot of material for Down to Earth. He worked with a lot of different songwriters. I believe the guy from Offspring, Dave Grohl. There's a whole bunch of stuff that has not been released yet. And I wish someday they would package it correctly and do a proper anniversary release on vinyl, on CD, do a big box set of it. And I think there would be a trove of material that is still sitting on the cutting room floor like we found out this week there's a demo somewhere out there of gets me through which i don't have
1: yeah i mean totally and you know, all the joe holmes material and stuff like that so yeah there's definitely more out there if they would do a bigger release kind of like they did with no more tears you know like the black Sabbath box sets we've talked about a lot if they would do something more like that with down to earth like you said there's definitely a lot out there i would have definitely been a buyer of the down to earth vinyl I was really disappointed with
0: the 30th anniversary of No More Tears because they didn't include the beach sides, like Party with the Animals and Don't Blame Me, where in the Aussie box set, I believe they are on the vinyl. So I I don't understand why he didn't do that for the uh, anniversary release as well. But having Down to Earth on vinyl be great. I do have it in the in the Aussie box that he released a couple of years ago. But I would love to have a 20th anniversary official one. with Maybe No Place for Angels and Dreamer Acoustic
1: added. The thing about them being on Apple and streaming on Spotify and all the, the services is I always look at the, the youth. You know, like my kids will never pop in a CD and listen to music or they may do records. But it's nice when they're out there streaming so that way the kids can hear them also. Because otherwise, they're probably not going to hear those songs.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. And it helps us too. So listen, I mean, if I'm out walking or at the gym or coaching football, you know, I use streaming services for sure. So I'm not going to be able to pop my vinyl on when I'm out of the house. So to have no place for angels available at my fingertips is way worth it, dude. And I'm super excited that Ozzy did
1: that. Totally. All right. With that said, man, are you ready to move on to today's topic?
0: Yeah, I love our topic. I definitely want to make sure everybody understands what our topic is and what our boundaries are and what we're doing today, because it's going to be a fun, fun topic. And you know, one thing I really enjoy about the topic we're going to do is we have done a great job of staying with modern Aussie. I think a lot of people just concentrate on Sabbath and maybe the first couple of Jake, uh, uh, Randy releases and some Zach stuff, but I'm really proud of the fact that we're digging deep into the modern Aussie, which we still love. We love it all. I love modern
1: Aussie. Totally. And I think we never intended to talk about modern Aussie so much. You know, we knew we wanted to be different. But I think the thing about modern Aussie is, is what makes us different. So, like, we don't mean to be talking about the last three or four albums of his solo career so much, but a the interviews fell in our lap, like with you know with with Gus G and Adam Wakeman and stuff. So we we definitely couldn't turn that stuff down. But also, this is the stuff no one else discusses. So I think that's kind of what draws you and I to it because we want to talk about the things no one else is talking about.
0: Agreed. So our topic today is our top ten Ozzy Osbourne solo songs from the twenty first century only. And that means it cannot be unreleased. It could be a B-side, and it cannot be on another album like Gods by Billy Morrison, which Josh and I are big fans of. It cannot be on Black Sabbath 13. It can only be on the solo albums that Ozzy has released in the 21st century. And those are Down to Earth, Black Rain, Scream, and Ordinary Man. So those four albums and their B-sides are all eligible for what we are doing today and this was a fun exercise because i do listen to modern ozzy a lot i mean obviously we love old ozzy diary of a madman bark at the moon blizzard of oz of course but i've listened to those albums millions of times and i still repeat them all the time but i'm not gonna lie i do spend modern ozzy a lot
1: i do also a matter of fact it's either equal to or more than the old stuff at this point in my life. And, you know, when you're a diehard fan, you always enjoy the stuff other people don't necessarily enjoy as much. You know, it's kind of like when you are a diehard Black Sabbath fan, the first thing you'll do is defend how good Never Say Die actually is. Look, the same thing with these albums. You know, it's like, man, like you really need to listen to these records. They're they're good just in their own way. So it's, it's kind of fun to shine a light on those sometimes because people typically don't.
0: It's a great point because I also probably listen to Never Say Die as the most listened to Black Sabbath album. Which is kind of odd, but it's the album I go to the most. So I definitely get it.
1: Well, and mine is probably Technical Ecstasy, honestly. So, But again, the same vein.
0: First album that is available to us is Down to Earth, recorded in 2001 with Tim Palmer. A lot of positive stuff. I think Down to Earth was fantastic because it had some songs written with Joe Holmes. And I think it also set that album apart a little bit because there is a lot of guitar riffs on that record and i think it's one of the last ozzy albums that really had some really good riffs like junkie can you hear them that i never had is a great riff i think facing hell what a great song of course gets me through written with tim palmer Two Beatles songs with Dreamer and Running Out of Time. I really, really love Down to Earth. For a while, this one was not one of my favorite Aussie records. And listen, it's probably still going to be in the bottom three or four because the other albums are so iconic. But I got to give props to Josh here. Josh is the one who harped on me. Nah, dude, you got to listen again. Listen again. Listen again. So I've really, the last maybe three years, I've really come around on that. Thanks to you, Josh.
1: Well, I'm glad I can do that for you. Down to Earth has always been one of my favorites. I don't really know why specifically that it's always stuck out to me so much, but it has. Down to Earth always had a fresh sound to me. I think it's Ozzy's first true foray into being a solo artist, you know, working with other songwriters a lot, not so much working with the band. And I think that gives it its own sound and flavor that really the the albums before it didn't have. There's just always been something about this album that I've always enjoyed. I'm a big fan of Joe Holmes. And I love his style of guitar playing. And even though Joe isn't on the album, he did co-write three of the songs. And I think those songs sound like Joe Holmes, even though it was Zach Wilde playing them on the tracks. But yeah, it was this one that you always slept on. And I knew deep down you should enjoy it more than you do. So I'm glad I could help you see that.
0: Yeah, and great point on Zach. So Zach has no writing credit on Down to Earth at all. But he plays on it, and he does all the solos. All the solos are his. And he shreds on this release, no question. The outro solo that gets me through... My God,
1: it's fucking great. Junkie was always the one that got me in this album. I always assumed that was actually Joe Holmes' guitar solo, and Zach was just playing it the way Joe wrote it, you know, know, with his own twist on it or whatever. And one day, I reached out to Tim Palmer and asked him, and Tim's really great on social media to reply. And he said, no, that's all, Zach. He said it was his favorite solo on the album also. So
0: the last thing we'll say about Down to Earth is the only B-side would be No Place for Angels, which we already mentioned. Then the next release would be 2007's Black Rain, Zach Wilde is still in the band and does write this record for the most part with Ozzy and Kevin Churko, who is the producer. Not a great record. It does have some really fine moments, especially in the B-sides. But overall, I thought, you know, I Don't Want to Stop is a solid single. It has a lot of energy. I'm a sucker for not going away. The song Black Rain, especially Here for You and Countdown's Begun. It's some solid stuff on this. I think Zach could have come up with some better riffs. I love you, Zach. But I think if there's one thing I had to say about Black Rain is I don't feel... I think the riffs are quite up to par as no rest for the wicked osmosis and no more
1: tears you know i hate to say it but i've always felt like zach's heart wasn't in this album i think when it comes to ozzy osbourne zach wilde will literally like you know like adam said last week on our last episode adam waitman said i'd go mow his lawn i know that zach would also But at this point in time, their relationship was the most contentious it had ever been. You know, Zach was a little frustrated not writing for Down to Earth. Then he starts, they start working on Black Rain, and Ozzy made the comments that he didn't want to sound like Ozzy singing for Black Label Society. And Zach responded with, What do you expect? You know, they never really had those moments of tension publicly before until that one time and really haven't since. So I've never been sure how much Zach's heart was in this album. It always felt a little more lazy for me. It's probably my least favorite Ozzy album, if I'm honest. It doesn't mean I don't still love the whole thing and specifically parts of it but yeah this one this always kind of like the energy that zach typically brings to zach wild man want the energy and this one was a little bit more slow and drudgy and just kind of plodding a little bit so this one didn't quite have the fire for me but that said there's still some epic tracks on here here for you was in my wedding it was the theme of my wedding so there you go yeah, that's awesome.
0: Again, the bonus tracks on this album are Nightmare, I Can't Save You, and Love to Hate. We'll talk about those later. Next up is Absolutely. 2010's Scream, where Ozzy is still working with Kevin Churko, and he brings in Adam Wakeman and Gus G on guitar. Now, the songwriting credits are all Ozzy, Kevin Churko, and uh, Adam Wakeman. has got credit on five of the album tracks and one of the B-sides. Another Very, very modern sounding record. I think this is Ozzy's most modern sounding record. And there are parts of this record I love. There is something about this record that doesn't sometimes connect with me. I do really enjoy it. I think there's some solid, solid songs on here. Overall, though, I think I might like Black Rain a hint better.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a slick production. I think all of Kevin Cherko's stuff is usually pretty slick. That's kind of what he's known for. But Scream, more slick by a long shot than Black Rain was. I like Scream more than Black Rain for the energy. I felt like they had a lot more energy just right out of the box. You know, uh, Let Me Hear You Scream is just such a uh, melodic, poppy melody, which Ozzy's really known for. It just had epic ballads. It just had more of what I'm looking for. I mean, Black Rain had great ballads also, but Let Me Hear You Scream just seemed to have a life to it. I think sometimes working with different musicians and different songwriters, and you know, bringing in Adam might have helped that, and Gus G comes in to do his thing. I felt like Scream had a little bit more of a spark that was kind of missing on Black Rain, but that said, they're both great albums that we love. It is what it is, but yeah, I really enjoy Scream. The B-sides for
0: this one are Hand of the Enemy, One More Time. And jump the moon. Next up is Ozzy's 10-year return, Ordinary Man, 2020, produced infamously (laughs) by Andrew Watt, who I'm a big fan of. I've been a big fan of Andrew Watt when he was playing in California Breed with Glenn Hughes and his solo stuff that Josh turned me on to. This is a very interesting album. Ozzy wrote it with Duff McKagan, Andrew Watt, Chad Smith, with a couple of outside songwriters. I think a wonderful return to form. Definitely my favorite album of the 21st century overall. And I think Ozzy, considering his shape he was in physically and mentally, gives an outstanding vocal performance.
1: I couldn't have said it any better myself. It's my favorite of the four also. I always say considering time and place, knowing where Ozzy was in his life, while he had going on physically and like you said, mentally, he's well known for saying this album saved his life. And there's no question about that. And, you know, Andrew Watt is an excellent guitar player. I will not hear any C-League bullshit from anybody online about Andrew Watt. If Andrew Watt's so C-League, then why does everyone in Hollywood want to work with him? Because he is the hot kicker right now. I think what's holding up Ozzy's record is all the other projects he's working on. Not that I think he's putting Ozzy on the back burner, but I think Ozzy's project is at a space right now where it just needs these fine-tuned details. But in the meanwhile, he's in the studio with Eddie Vedder and Miley Cyrus, Justin Bieber, and everyone else just wanted to work with him right now. Elton John as well, he's in the studio with. The funny thing about Andrew Watt is he uses you for a track. Hey, Elton John, we want you to play on this Ozzy song. And then they say, you know, Andrew Watt's doing an album with Elton John. Hey, Ozzy, we want you for this Post Malone track. They say, you know, Andrew Watt's doing an album with Ozzy. Like, he must have the most infectious personality of anyone you've ever met. Because, yes, once people get around him, they just want to work with him. And that's awesome. He's working with Robert Trujillo on the new Ozzy album. I wouldn't be shocked if Andrew Watt isn't doing the next Metallica record. It's just the way it seems to always go for him. So definitely excited for the new one. But yeah, Ordinary Man, I thought, like you said, was a great return to form. I'm I'm a fan of Andrew Watt's guitar playing. I do like how, and you've said this before on the show, how if Andrew knows it's not quite up his alley, he's not afraid to ask someone else. Yeah, Ordinary Man's a solid record, and it definitely, I'm sure, has several spots on our list. No
0: question. The B-side on this one is called
1: Dark Side Blues, which is just a minute
0: 47 second little blues track that I think they were just trying to get Ozzy comfortable with. If you haven't heard it, it's an interesting little listen. But those are the albums we're not going to do undercover since it's not original material. And obviously we're not going to do Black Sabbath 13 since it's Black Sabbath. So these are the albums we're going to be choosing from. Josh and I are going to pick our top 10, what we feel is Ozzy's strongest work in the 21st century. And listeners, if you're listening to this, I know you're Aussie fans, and I know a lot of people like to shit on this era of Aussie. But if anything, listen to the songs that Josh and I have on our list, because we are diehard fans. You know, I was thinking t- this week, Josh, somebody asked what podcast I do. I said, oh, we do a-, a podcast on Aussie. I said, me and my buddy are Aussie historians. And I think I'm going to start referring to myself as that. I thought it was perfect. Oh, man. I like that. Right? I, I Aussie historians.
1: Say, yeah, I usually say Aussie freakos. That that sounded as professional as historian does I like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. I said I can teach a class along with Josh on Ozzy and Black Sabbath. So we're super excited. Give it a chance. I know a lot of people like to shit on it, especially on Blabbermouth, but fuck those guys, especially
1: one of them. Okay, let's uh, get going. Josh, why don't, you start with, <laughs> why don't you start with number 10? Number 10 for me is, it was in my wedding, Here for You. I definitely am a big sucker for the ballads from Ozzy so on any record i look forward to hearing those tracks i feel like at this stage in his life he honestly just does ballads better and really his voice you can really hear his emotion more as he gets older in his voice and i really like that on the, on a ballad uh his, his innocence almost and here for you is definitely one it has the big guitars you, know, you got the piano intro but then when the guitars come in on the course it's just so powerful and uh it's one that i just really enjoy so my number ten is here for you from black rain what a choice I love it. It's a very beautiful ballad.
0: And he performed it live on that tour. And every time I saw him for that tour, it was one of my favorite parts of the show.
1: And of course, here for you is a song that Ozzy has always said was written about us, the fans. You know, he's always made a point to let us know how much he appreciates us. And songs like that, let us know, man. That song was written for the fans. And the lyrics, I'm quite sure, were heavily written by Ozzy. I mean, no doubt Kevin Cherico and Zach may have had a small hand in in some of the parts of it. You can usually tell the songs Ozzy's written. And I think it's pretty safe to say he had a heavy hand in, on this song. What do you think, Dan?
0: No question. That is 100% Aussie lyrics. Absolutely. So my number 10 is from Scream, and it is Digging Me Down, written with Kevin Cherko. And we found out last week that Adam Wakeman wrote the guitar riff for this. It's a really, really great song. I love the riff on it. I love the acoustic intro, kind of a throwback to Killer of Giants and Diary of a Madman. I love, love, love the outro bridge. It's my favorite part of the whole album. It's kind of cool how it's structured. It's very similar to Mr. Crowley, where he does the bridge at the end of the song. And I just think it's definitely heavy. It chugs along. It's got great melody by Ozzy and definitely the highlight of Scream for me. So my number 10 is Digging Me Down.
1: Interesting choice for number 10. I had no doubt that would be on your list. But like you told Adam Wakeman last week, Digging Me Down is your favorite song from that album. So now I'm curious to see if you have a song from Scream Higher today, or if that is the only song from Scream that made your list. That's very interesting. Number nine for me is from Ordinary Man, Scary Little Green Man. I still to this day think about my first listen of this song when I hear it. I can remember listening to the album and I'm digging, you know, the first listen of Ordinary Man, kind of excited, and Scary Little Green Man comes on. And I was like, okay, this one's interesting. By the title, it's kind of weird. I don't know if it'd be any good or not. And man, when that chorus kicked in and I was just pumping my fist along with that rhythm and it was like, oh, I got chill, bu- oh, I got chill bumps right now telling the story. It just, that's, I felt it instantly. And I was like, oh, I got chill bumps talking right now. That song that's just awesome. clicked from the first time, man. From the first time it just clicked. And to this day, when I listen to that album, that's very often the first track I'll go to because it's just so good. I don't know if the brass, and by brass, I mean the industry and the producers and managers realize Scary Little Green Man is really what Aussie fans want. We want songs with meaningless lyrics, kind of goofy. I mean, Bark at the Moon, we fucking love it. You know what I mean? No one else is singing about Barking at the Moon. What the fuck? Scary Little <laughs> That's Green a great Man kind of what I want from an Aussie song. I want these ridiculous lyrics, almost comic book like horror lyrics and feel. And Scary Little Green Man totally brought me something that day that I still think about when I hear it two years later almost. So it's going to always stand out for me. So yeah, number nine for me, Scary Little Green Man. Great choice. My number nine is from Down to Earth and it is Junkie.
0: I think it's one of Ozzy's coolest guitar riffs of the 21st century written with Joe Holmes, Robert Trujillo, and Marty Fredrickson of Aerosmith fame. I just love the riff. I love the groove. It is one of Ozzy's heaviest songs, Again, we're talking very, very classic Aussie lyrics about drug addiction. I just think it's everything I want in an Aussie song. It is such a headbanger. I wish you would have kept it in the live set. I, fucking, I think it's played on a seven-string guitar, if I'm not mistaken. If not, it is tuned real low. It's heavy as shit.
1: But number nine is Junkie from Down to Earth. The guitars in that song sound so awkward in a good way. Junkie is probably my number 11. It's not on my list, but man, I love that song so much. That guitar solo just hits me in the feels every time. It's Uh, great. Didn't make my list, but it was definitely right on the edge. So I can't argue with that one. Number eight for me comes from Down to Earth, and that would be the great Facing Hell. Uh, I've said before in prior podcasts that when I think about the Down to Earth record, Facing Hell is the track that I think of. This I always like this one, man. I never understood it, not getting a chance to be a single. They only did two singles from that album. And that was, gets me through and dreamer. And I understand that some of it was just, you know, the movement going on in music with the grunge movement and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know, but facing hell was always one of my favorites. Again, slamming guitar solo. I love the second half of the solo when it kind of really punches in and kind of the volume spikes just a little bit right before it fades back out. Killer lyrics, you know, you have the demo version, uh, bang, bang, you were dead. Uh, Much prefer Facing Hell lyrically, Uh, but yeah, one of my favorite Aussie tracks of the 21st century for sure, Facing Hell. Yeah, that's a great track. I'm not going to tell you if it's on my list
0: or not, but I will tell you it's written with Scott Humphrey of Rob Zombie fame and Jeff Nichols of Black Sabbath fame, along with Tim Palmer. So it's definitely got a really, really cool writing scheme going on here. I like Facing Hell considerably better than Bang, Bang, You're Dead, which I believe is probably the Ozzy lyrics. And they got reworked with probably Scott Humphrey, I'd imagine. But I think it's great. It's kind of got a Black Sabbath. I always think of Megalomania on that third verse. It's got a very similar melody he's using there. But a great choice. So my number eight is actually a B-side from Black Rain. And that is I Can't Save You, written by Ozzy, Zach Wilde, and Kevin Churko. To me, it's a travesty. This was not on the record. One of the strongest songs from the Black Rain Sessions. I love the energy, the riff, and I fucking love Ozzy's melody on the chorus. It's got a cool bridge. It's got a great guitar solo. One of the best songs Zach wrote for the record, and it sat as a B-side. I'll never understand it, but definitely, definitely check out I Can't Save You, my number eight on Ozzy's best 21st century songs.
1: Yeah, definitely one of the better tracks of that session. I've always thought that uh, the best songs on that album didn't make the album. I'll never totally understand that. But the B-sides, we've talked about it before on the show, how strong the B-sides are for Black Rain. I definitely look forward to doing a deep dive sometime into that record and really diving into this process of recording it and what went down and maybe the decision-making to leave those songs off. But yeah, that's a definitely a solid track. One of my favorites, not quite on my list, but definitely somewhere around the, the 12, 13 range. It's right outside of there. So I'm a big fan of that one also. So can't go against you on that. Okay. So number seven for me from the album scream is life won't wait. Definitely one of my favorite songs of, of modern Aussie altogether. It's such a powerful powerful song i just his melodies in that song are some of my favorites he's ever done in his career you know no slide of hand no twist of fate no ever after that that line right there alone just totally grabs me just again it's, it's all about ozzy on this one for me though love his melody of his tone uh i say it's all about ozzy i do love Gus's guitar tone on the solo there yeah life won't wait stands out and i remember when this album came out uh my wife valerie she really liked this one a lot uh, she would listen to it a lot when we, of course, when a new Ozzy album comes out, we listen to it nonstop for like the next six months. Right, it's just the way it goes, and that was definitely her standout track of the album. But um, love the music video that Jack produced, where you know Ozzy was in the you know, the cemetery and stuff. The band was kind of playing in the cathedral like thing, so it was, had had a cool look to it. But yeah, and number seven for me is Life Won't Wait from Scream.
0: Excellent, excellent choice. I'm not going to give away my list, so I will let you know if it's on my list but i love that song my number seven is the title track of his last record ordinary man a duet with elton john i think a brilliant brilliant ballad one of ozzy's strongest ballads in the 21st century so ozzy wrote this with chad smith duff mckagan william walsh and andrew watt i think this song is poignant it's beautiful it's haunting it's a beautiful beautiful vocal melody I love the performance. I think Elton John does a fantastic job on this. I think it's a great great guitar solo. I love the string arrangements that they recorded at Abbey Road, but the lyrics really get me on this one. These are also some very Aussie lyrics talking about his life. I love the video. This song really moved me when I first heard it, and it just goes to show you the power of the album Ordinary Man as this one is my number 7 21st century Aussie
1: songs. Yeah, I also featured Slash on the guitar solos. Slash nailed those. When I hear that song, as much as I love everything going on, I love piano from Elton, I love Ozzy's voice and delivery, love the melodies. But Slash's guitar solos speak to me as much as anything on the song does. I feel like they reached Slash's guitar and said, we want something like November Rain. Here, now go. And I feel like Slash totally delivered on that. I do think, you know, a lot of the rumors about this being his final album came from this, you know, the song Ordinary Man just sounds like a swan song, so to speak. Totally a great track. And I'll go ahead and tell you it's definitely one you're gonna see on my list later, also. So good choice. So what's your number six? Okay. So number six for me that brings me back to the scream album again for digging me down. This song has always been the standout track for me from that record. It's just so heavy. And I don't really necessarily want heavy from Aussie. But this song is just so heavy and that's such a punchingly cool riff. Love the little acoustic intro to start off with. The middle late section sounds so much like a no rest for the wicked style part of the song. You know, I can just hear fire in the sky in that or something, you know, in that vein. Digging me down, cool lyrics, you know, heavy groove, everything you talked about earlier when you did it at number 10, I completely agree with. So for me, my next track is Digging Me Down Off of Screen.
0: So now it's my turn to steal off your list. So my number six is Scary Little Green Men from Ordinary Man. I don't have much to add to what you already added. It's exactly what I want in a modern Ozzy song. I think this is another one that should be added to his live set if he ever played again. I just love the energy, the chorus, and especially the middle eight. When that piano kicks in and Ozzy and sings the bridge, I think it makes the song. It's infectious. I don't know why this wasn't released as a single, because it, to me, it's one of his catchiest songs that... I think has been overlooked, but that man on the moon, will tell us the truth
1: part? Fucking brilliant. And you know, I'll never really understand the promotion for that. They did that Jason Momoa thing where it was like 60 seconds of him lip syncing to Scary Little Green Men, but we never got a full-blown video from it. I'll never understand. I mean, it's better than nothing, but I'll never really know why they spent that kind of time and money to do that. And, you know, a 60-second clip of a song that had just been released that day, I think most of us thought it was going to be a preview for a music video to come out later, which of course... We never got it, wasn't it? it? just was what it was. It was a preview clip for a track that was kind of awkward at the time. But, yeah, definitely a great song. And, you know, when I spoke about Scary Little Green Man earlier and the chill bumps that ran through my body for literally about 15 seconds or 20 made me question if it wasn't too low on my list. Because my song can move you that much just to talk about it or just to discuss your feelings or memories from it then maybe it should have been a little higher. But that said, I'll stick with what I got. But yeah, it's definitely a great song. I like where you have it.
0: I agree. It was odd promotion. I love the Jason Momoa clips. It looks like he's having a blast doing it. I have no idea why they just didn't do a full length video because it should have been a single, no question.
1: All right, what's your number five? Okay, at number five for me, we go back to the Black Rain album and to the B-side section of that album and... You're gonna probably think I have this one a little low because it's a song that we discuss all the time and we have here on the show. But I go with "Nightmare" from Black Rain. Such a great song. Uh, You know, you and I went on record on the show before. I think it probably should have been the lead single on that record. I think I know we both feel very strongly about it. It's such a great song. I remember when Black Rain came out, and like I said earlier, it was a little bit slow little bit muddy, and then a few days later, I'm trying to collect all the B sides, you know. Because back then, in the early 2000s, and when they were doing the whole, well, this one's on iTunes, and this one's only available at Target, and that whole kind of bullshit that people were doing there for a while. And you know, we were all going out and buying two and three copies of the same album for one extra song or whatever. But I remember the first time I heard Nightmare, and I was literally just dumbfounded that it wasn't on the record. It just instantly it was like, man, this song is so energetic. It's so fun and just has so much energy going for it. The melodies are just absolutely perfect. And it was like, how can the song not make the album? And here I sit almost 20 years later, not quite, and I still feel the same way. Nightmare should have been a a single from Black Rain, period. So uh, yeah, I go with Nightmare in that spot.
0: Great, great choice. And I will talk about it in a bit. So my number five is a pattern here. My third in a row from Ordinary Man. And my number five is Holy for Tonight. One of the two songs on this list that brought me to tears the first time I heard it, and that is not an exaggeration. Ozzy's performance on this still moves me every time I hear it. At first, I thought maybe it was about Ozzy saying goodbye, but as I dug deeper, I come to find out it's about a prisoner on death row saying goodbye and how he's holy for tonight because he knows it's his last night on earth. The lyrics are brilliant. The melodies are brilliant. Another Beatle style song that Ozzy does so well. I always think of old LA Tonight for some reason. That's kind of like its companion piece. But for me, Holy For Tonight is special. And I think Ozzy's performance is fucking brilliant. I always laugh. One of the first reviews I read for the record was the album's great, but Holy For Tonight sucked. So that was before I had the album. And because I always do all, you know, Josh and I will read every review that comes out before we get the album. And and when I heard it, I was just blown away how everybody couldn't love the song. I think this could have been a single as well. I think this could have been a top 40 hit on the mainstream charts for Ozzy. And I think lyrically, vocally, everything about it, the arrangement, I just love Holy for Tonight.
1: absolutely love that song. Uh, one of my first memories of that song is thinking how much you're going to like the song when you hear it. <laughs> because in my first listen, I'm listening, I'm like, man, this song sounds so Beatles-esque. Like Dan is going to eat this shit up with a spoon. And sure enough, you one of the first things you said to me about the album was, oh man, you know, Holy for Tonight is such a good song. Such a great song. Uh, definitely one that it didn't make my list, but it's another one that's right there on the cusp. I I thought really hard about it. Just such a great song. And I'm glad to see it high up on your list because I know how much you, you truly do think about it. Thanks, man. I can't believe it's not on your list. We're at number four for me. And this is where it really starts to get very creamy, the, the meat and potatoes of this of this dinner. You know, these these top four tracks really are songs that I think could have been solid at any era of Ozzy's career. Songs that I view as, you know, classics at this point, you know, even, even though some of them may be nowhere in the catalog. But number four for me is The Great Dreamer. Dreamer, I have always believed maybe be Ozzy's most underrated song. Uh, as a single, it didn't perform near as well as I really would have thought it would have. You know, maybe it was the time and place coming like after the Osbournes and stuff like that. and Really, the focus wasn't on his music as much as it was, you know, Ozzy's personality on television. Dreamer is just a song that is is gorgeous, man. It's it's Aussie's Imagine. It, it's so beautiful, and it has an amazing music video filmed by Rob Zombie that really I thought captured the essence of the song. It's just it's just such a gorgeous song, man, and really boggles my mind. In in the realm of Aussie's solo career, it's not a more a more well thought of song than it is. I mean, it should be up there with Mama I'm Coming Home and some of those classic Aussie ballads, in my opinion. Yeah, number four for me is Dreamer.
0: Fantastic choice. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of Dreamer. My number four is from the same record, and it is Gets Me Through, written with Tim Palmer. First single from Down to Earth. I love the groove on this one. It's a very simple riff, but fuck is it heavy. I love the lyrics. It's definitely very Aussie centric I love the I'm, no, you know, I'm not an Iron Man lyric, throwback to Sabbath. I love his melody. The bridge is fucking awesome. And again, another great guitar solo from... Zach, I love the outro. You know, I think it's fantastic. I just love Gets Me Through. It's got a kind of a No More Tears vibe, kind of a Perry Mason vibe. I kind of think it's an epic track like that. It's got the really cool eerie piano beginning and it just slams. What a headbanger!
1: Yeah, such a great song. And you know, the live version on Live at BootCon, I love that live version because the piano is at a certain volume level. And then when the band actually kicks in on that song on Budokan, it's so damn loud and vicious. Like, they're just so over the top with it. It, it really makes it jump forward, just jump out at you as a listener. So I, I really enjoy that one also. Yeah, it just gets me through. is great. Like you said, that bridge, is absolutely epic, man. It's great. All right, number three for me is Under the Graveyard from Ordinary Man. The first time I heard this song, it was almost like Earlier in the episode when I described Halloween Kills and how the first watch, I really didn't feel like I enjoyed the movie. But then I watched it one more time and then it did a complete 180 and just absolutely loved the movie. The first time I heard Under the Graveyard, I almost didn't know what to think. I heard it before you did for whatever reason that day. You were just like, I, I can't remember if you just wasn't available or what it was at that moment.
0: I, I remember they, it was broadcast on a radio. And you were able to find the link. And by the time I was able to sit down and listen to it, they had taken the link down.
1: That's correct. That's right. And you were asking me, you're like, what does it sound like? What does it sound like? And I had the hardest time answering that question. And that was part of what was weird about the song for me, because it didn't sound like any era of Ozzy that I could really put it to it. The closest thing was almost like take what you want from Post Malone to Ozzy, you know, makes the guest appearance on. It's like, and that makes sense with the production, you know, with Andrew Watt and everything. But this song is just so different. And after one listen, I almost, you know, was like, I don't know how I feel about it. It, it was different. It was weird. There was, I remember thinking there was this bridge section where it kind of gets heavy and Sabbathy kind of for a minute. And I dug that. But all in all, the sound was very, the tone was so different. And I couldn't, place it with any other era of Aussie, and i've never really had a hard time doing that usually everything reminds me of something you know from the past then on second listen though man it just clicked that this song at the time i was thinking could be Aussie's best song since osmosis i mean like it was just so good such a good song excellent lead single for the record and it just had a, it had a i don't know that i want to say it had a classic Aussie sound but it had a modern classic aussie sound if that makes any sense at all and i just love you know under the graveyard i wish they would have titled my album under the graveyard it sounds so good such a cool catchy title sounds like an aussie title yep
0: you took the words uh, right out of my mouth it sounds just like an aussie title
1: yeah and you know actually when they released the song we did think that was going to be the name of the album because they released the song and the artwork and ended up being the single artwork and stuff we thought that was going to be the album cover and, and title and stuff and In retrospect, I still think it probably should have been both the album artwork and the album title. But yeah, under the graveyard, man, such a a a warp back to modern classic for Aussies. It's such a great sound, such a great song, cool lyrics, you know, uh, an interesting guitar part that 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 intro. Have you ever tried to play that on guitar, man? It's really hard to play. It's kind of awkward. I have. It is very awkward. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's it's cool. Great tune, man. That's number three for me. Under the graveyard. Well, I think
0: our top four will be similar, but my number three is Dreamer uh, from Down to Earth. So I have two Down to Earth tracks back to back. Obviously, I'm a sucker for this one. This is clearly Ozzy's homage to John Lennon, especially Imagine. This is the second song that I mentioned earlier that I I was brought to tears when the first time I heard it. It was weird. The first time I heard it, I I had such peace come over me because I felt like, this is what Ozzy really wants to do. You could just tell this is Ozzy being as true as possible. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't like the metal and the and the rock and stuff like that, but at his core, at his heart, he's just a giant Beatle fan. And I think if he had his choice, it would always be tracks like this. But I know his fans want the rocker stuff. To me, Dreamer is a beautifully written song, written with Marty Fredrickson and Mick Jones from Foreigner. It should have been a number one hit on the top 40 chart. It should be a legendary track, more popular than Mama, I'm Coming Home, if I can be honest. I feel like it has a great meaning, great lyrics, great melody. It should be on commercials. I don't understand why this song isn't just a legendary Aussie track. My number three is Dreamer from Down to Earth.
1: Yeah, I agree totally. Extremely well stated. You know, I've said that on my Facebook for years. I can remember posting the music video and just simply stating Ozzy's most underrated, you know, single or or stuff like that. It's just such a great song, man. You can't go wrong with Dreamer. So, all right. So for number two, that keeps me also in the world of down to earth. And that's gets me through. I really struggled with gets me through and under the graveyard at at two. Uh, I I went back and forth on the both of them. They're, They're ultimately very even for me. It gets me through for everything you said earlier in the episode, you know, just a few minutes ago when you went over this track for your listening, This such a great Aussie song, man. Killer riff. It's such a simple riff, but it's such a killer riff. The bridge is just spectacular. Zach's guitar solo, everything you said earlier is just such a great song. I can remember it being at SEC Tournament. I'm a big uh, University of Kentucky fan, and they were playing Gets Me Through down there one year, and I videoed it and sent it to you. I was like, man, it's not Crazy Train. They're playing Gets Me Through in Nashville right now. I'm so excited just to have something different and modern from Ozzy coming through the speakers down there. But yeah, such a great song, man. Like we said before on one of our other episodes about the ultimate Ozzy set list, if he kept this in the set, it probably would be a complete classic right now, You know, along with you know songs like, not not the main classics, but songs like I Don't Want to Change the World. It would be in that world for sure that every Aussie fan would know it
0: gets me through is his best bridge of the 21st century by far. Not even, it's not even in a conversation. It's fucking phenomenal. So great choice, Josh. My number two was earlier on your list and it is nightmare. A B side from black rain. I think this is Ozzy's most underrated track of his career. I love everything about it. Again, another eerie piano intro. A killer riff. Zach's best riff off of the Black Rain Sessions. This should have been the lead single. It should have been the first song on the record. I think I mentioned that in a previous podcast. I think it's Michael Borden's best drumming while he was with Ozzy. I think there's just everything I love about it. I love the lyrics. kind of brings me back to the Bark of the Moon era, like a Spiders type of, type of shit. You know, really cool lyrics. Thoughts about you won't let me sleep at night, blinded by obsession and despair. Ozzy's Delivery is spot on. He's really, really dynamic in this song. The chorus is phenomenal. I cannot understand, and this is going to be a question we will eventually ask somebody how this got left off an album. Because hopefully we can get somebody from the Black Ring sessions on our podcast someday. Great record, but Nightmare Stands Alone.
1: Yeah, epic track. If for all the reasons you said and the reasons I said earlier, it's just such a good song. Yeah. Some some heads need to roll for that track not making the album i mean i just don't understand we'll probably never understand and honestly whoever we answer will probably never have the answer for it either they'll you know they'll put it up on the record label or something like that but or sharon yeah exactly but just such a great song man such a great song so that's an excellent choice i know it would be very high on your list i thought it might be number one so I'm actually kind of curious to hear what your number one is now. So, yeah, I thought it would be a Nightmare. I knew it would definitely be up there. We, we should definitely share a love affair for that song. There's no doubt about that.
0: I know what your number one is without even okay. saying it.
1: Yeah. So my number one It kind of surprised me. When I, I, I would assume you did the same thing. I looked at all four albums, and I kind of picked the songs that I think could be on my top ten. And then I whittled them down. And I initially had 20, and I whittled them down. And I knew this one would definitely be... In my top five or six, I was a little shocked, but when I really thought about what the songs mean to me, ultimately my number one is Ordinary Man from the album Ordinary Man. And the reason I picked that song was complete emotion. I I literally cried almost every time I heard that song for the first week. And I, I know that sounds like such bullshit. I was just so thankful to get this record. That song personified that. When I heard that song, and the lyrics behind that song and the delivery of his voice on that song, it's just so beautiful. My wife was like, she even asked me what's She's like, I said, it makes me cry. And she's like, are you fucking crazy? This is an Aussie <laughs> song. What, what do you mean it makes you cry? What's wrong with you? And I'm like, I just, I don't know. The song says it all. And there's so many lines in that song. Literally, he's singing that song direct. I, you feel like when you're listening to it, he's singing it directly to you. You know, I don't want to say goodbye, but when I do, you'll be all right. Remember, I did it all for you, you know? Great, great, great. Oh, fuck, I got chill bumps again right now. That's twice I've got chill bumps in this episode talking about a song, and both of them's from Ordinary, man. Just think about that. Great choice. Yeah, this is such a great song, man. Like you said earlier, the music video is great. Slash is great playing the guitar solos. They are perfect. Having Elton John on there, which for those of you that don't know, if you go to your streaming services and click the... Ordinary Man single, not from the album, but the single, that's all Ozzy. There's no Elton John singing on that one. For those that may not realize that, that's kind of something fun to listen to sometimes, also. Elton actually delivered it exactly like Ozzy sang it. It's kind of a fun little factor that some may not know, but go check that out. I love
0: Ozzy's yeah, version alone.
1: I, I do too. But still cool that Elton, of course, would do that. And of course, the, the quote was, I fucking love Ozzy and Sharon. I'll do anything for them, you know, and man, he's, he's on the album just like that. But yeah, it's such a great song. So much emotion. And you know, another thing on top of the emotion of what the song speaks from Ozzy's point of view, speaking to us, the fans, and, and, and everything else. That song created me to fulfill a lifelong dream of mine. I've been a guitar player since I was 13 years old. And I've wanted to play piano my entire life and never could get started. And I just didn't know where to begin. And I, I've had a little synthesizer keyboard in my bedroom since I was a teenager, and I never hardly touched it. This song led me to sit down and learn the fucking thing, and I don't play it like Elton or Andrew Watt or whoever may be playing it on the record. Yeah, I do know Elton definitely plays a track of of piano on that, because there's video of Elton recording, but from what I understand, there was piano already on it, so I don't know if if some of Andrew's shit's still on there or not, but beside the point, this song led me to go to the piano and learn this song, and once I learned it, and I learned the chords and, and some things to it, I realized I can play piano, I can do this. And then a year later he was sit and I could play pretty damn decent right now.
0: You're doing yeah, great
1: on it. I appreciate that. Like i sit and I play and I'm like, man, if I had seen this a year ago, like I'd be blown away that I can actually play. Like I can sit down and play November Rain from start to finish. And that's like, it would have blew my mind that I could play that on a piano all the way through you know, and sing it. And I sing like shit, but that's beside the point. <laughs> but this song brought me to something that I've always wanted to do in my life. It, with, Without meaning to, it inspired me to do something I've always wanted to do. And for that, I'm also forever thankful. So yeah, for me, Ordinary Man, number one. You know, excited to see what the next album brings that may top my top 10. Dan, for you, at number
0: one. Well, my number one is from the same album. And it was on your list already. And that is under the graveyard. I have a love affair with this song. It was the first single from ordinary man. And I'm going to have to say, I was kind of on Josh's page here. The first time I heard it, I was kind of like, that's different. You know, it was so unique, but to me at the end of the day, two years later is why I love it so much. Ozzy's performance is probably his best vocal performance for me, maybe in the 21st century. He just sounds fantastic on the song. Wonderful melodies. I love the lyrics. I love the concept. It just brings back something from No Rest for the Wicked, something from Bark at the Moon, Under the Graveyard, right? But the lyrics are deep. You know, listen to this first verse. Today I woke up and I hate myself. Death doesn't answer when I cry for help. No high could save me from the depths of hell. I'll drown my mind until I'm someone else. That's fucking just beautiful lyrics, man.
1: That's epic. That's gorgeous stuff, man.
0: Right. But his delivery is fantastic. And those lyrics really speak to me. I just think Under the Graveyard puts an exclamation point on his best release of the 21st century, which is Ordinary Man. And let me tell you, the four songs I have on here from Ordinary Man, I love them all. And I have them all together because, quite frankly, one day Ordinary Man could be at the top of that list over scary little green men and holy for tonight or you know they, they can all change and we talk about this a lot there is a love affair i have with under the graveyard i think andrew watts guitar performance is very good and underrated on it i think it's catchy it's got heaviness to it it's got beauty it's got it all and i just think it's his best song that he has released and it makes me super excited for his next record
1: and if we can get anything as good as what ordinary man is I'm going to be super stoked. Such a great song. But yeah, this is definitely a fun exercise trying to bring attention to an era of Ozzy's career that a lot of fans simply don't pay enough attention to. You know, there's so many casual fans out there that go, oh man, Ozzy recorded an album with the producer from Post Malone. Fuck that shit. And they don't even want to give it a chance. Ordinary man is so fucking good, man. And you know, a phrase you use with me a lot is Ozzy sounds so vulnerable. Yeah. I think Ozzy sounds vulnerable pretty much on that whole record, mostly due to his condition and what he's been going through the past few years of his life. You know what I mean? And he sounds so good. And when I hear the agent's voice, when I hear it crack just a little bit, it saddens me because I don't want him to get old. He's our Superman. I want him to be, you know, invincible and I want him to live forever. But at the same time, on songs like Ordinary Man and Under the Graveyard, it makes it so much more appealing when he sounds that way because you you can feel it in his voice, man. He's giving you everything he's got. He's giving us everything he's got. When he sings, I did it all for you, he he, he does. I, I've always it's always been part of my fandom with Ozzy is that I feel like he appreciates us as much as we appreciate him.
0: Yep. And Since day one, he's been a backstreet kid, no question.
1: No question about it. No question. So, yeah, this was fun, and I, I do love bringing attention to these, to these later albums that a lot of fans maybe don't give the recognition they should, because they, there's some great stuff in there, man. Maybe it's not for everybody, but... People are so quick, especially with the modern era, and it's this way in all genres of music, and it's just Aussie and metal, it's everywhere. People are so quick to give one listen and pass on. You know what I mean? What if your only listen to Under the Graveyard was that first one? You would dismiss it right away. Exactly, exactly. What if your first viewing of Halloween Hills your first was that first one then you just never go back to it? You know, you could be missing out on the rest of your life of enjoying that. You know, I listen to Under the Graveyard all the time such a great song man such a great song so yeah this was fun dan i appreciate the time for those listeners you know listen you're, you're gonna totally never know this but like dan's worked with me really hard today to get this episode in. we've recorded in like three sessions we did a little here a little there a little over here hopefully it turned out okay we did what we gotta do to bring it to you guys because you yeah, know we enjoy doing this and we enjoy you listening we're really seeing the numbers grow and we can't thank you guys enough so real quick
0: looking at our lists i could tell because I only have my list in front of me, because Josh and I don't share our list before we come on, on the air. We think it's more fun and exciting not to know what, what we've picked. So I know I, three songs we differ. So the three you didn't have that I had was Junkie, I Can't Save You, and Holy for Tonight. So I did not have Facing Hell, Life Won't Wait, and Here for You. Regardless of order, here are the songs we did agree on. Under the Graveyard, Nightmare, Dreamer, Gets Me Through, Scary Little Green Men, Ordinary Man, and Digging Me Down. The irony about my list looking at this is, do you know the only songs I have from Black Rain were I Can't Save You and Nightmare? I do not have a song from Black Rain.
1: Two B-sides. And you only have Here For You. I have uh, Here For You is my only one. And then from, Nightmare. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I thought real hard about. It. I do love the song "Black Rain," and and I thought real hard about. It. And like a part of me even said that "Black Rain" needs to be in there somewhere. You like the song a lot, but when I look at the rest of the list, do I like "Black Rain" better than "Scary Little Green Men"? I mean, not honestly, not even all that close. So ultimately, I just went with what i feel like i was being honest you know what i mean like i a part of me wanted to have more black rain songs in here but if they're not there they're just not there so i didn't want to force anything you know
0: yeah i Uh, felt the same way about scream only having digging me down so you did ask the question that was my highest ranked scream song
1: yeah it was some songs that didn't make the list that i would guarantee both of us have running out of time
0: running out of time was on Uh, my list
1: Yeah, I had that I never had listed, of course. I've told you before, I'm really big on that one. I did not. Junkie, you mentioned Junkie earlier. Not Going Away, I Don't Want to Stop. I mentioned Black Rain a second ago, Layer World on me. I'm a big fan of the almighty dollar on Black Rain. I just like that that slap bass in the beginning and stuff. It's got a good uh, bridge to it. I feel like it's got kind of a more classic Ozzy Sound than a lot of the uh, the rest of the record does, but ultimately short of a top ten. You know, Let Me Hear You Scream. Obviously, was the lead single off Scream. It's a great song, you know, great for the radio, but there's a lot better songs out there off these four albums. Straight to Hell, Time. Time's a great song, you know, off off of Scream. I I know that one's probably high on your list also.
0: Yeah, a couple of others I had was I'm a big sucker for Countdowns Begun off of Black Rain. If I was going to choose a song from that album, it would have been Countdowns Begun. I think it's a really cool riff. And I think probably one of Zach's better ones off of that record. And I love Ozzy's Delivery. For some reason, Mm -hmm. that song, probably because it's Countdown's begun, I always get an Ultimate Sin vibe from that song. Another one that you did not say that was very high on my list that was cut out at the last minute was Can You Hear Them. I I was so close. I I almost cut out Digging Me Down and put Can You Hear Them on there. But at the last minute, I left Digging Me Down on. But Can You Hear Them, I think is a wonderful, wonderful metal track. Great drums, great riffs. Awesome, awesome vocals. That un- that one reminds me kind of the Bark at the Moon era. So I do love that one. I did not have li- Life Won't Wait. That was right up there. That was also Fighting for a Top Spot. And the other one was Today is the End off of Ordinary Man. I absolutely love, love, love that song kind of just missed the cut
1: yeah it's all good stuff man it's all good stuff and like i said earlier hopefully this time next year we'll have more stuff to talk about in the same vein with with the new record we're obviously very excited about that you know one thing that that andrew watt has mentioned about that record he doesn't say a lot when when he's asked about the new Ozzy album he always responds with i'll leave that to Ozzy." and and by all accounts he should but he did make the comment This kind of went under the radar that a lot of it has a very 80s sound did you pick up on that I did. A classic Aussie 80s. Yep. So I'm I'm definitely curious to hear. Me and you spoke about this one time. Keyboards and synth is coming back in popular music right now because I made the comment that Bark at the Moon sounded very outdated when I was growing up. And now it sounds less outdated than it did when I was growing up because the synthesizer sound is coming back to popular music. I almost wonder do a lot of that kind of sound for the next record uh, with the synthesizers and keyboards and stuff. it very well could be. That would be awesome. Yeah, I think for sure. I think we, I think we'd all be down for that. So
0: as long as we have a couple more piano driven tracks, I think that's what suits Ozzy the best at this stage. So oh, no question. Yeah,
1: he, he loves ballads right yep. now. All right, man. Uh, that was a good time. I appreciate you uh, working with me on the schedule today so that we can get it in. And hopefully everybody enjoys it And and as dan always says we'd love to see your list.
0: Yep. I was Um, just gonna say it get your lists out there We know you guys like the modern aussie. Don't let that other bullshit Influence you listen to these songs listen to these records. They're a lot better than what people give them credit for
1: All right guys until next time we will see you soon Your microphone is unmuted. Your video is stopped. I don't know why. You Muted yourself. Oh, should I, need to, I, you was are. Kinda, I said it's got to be a setting or something, right? You're still having that problem, though, dude. You're muted. Why does it keep muting for, I wonder? I don't know. It says, uh, okay. Now you're fine. It just it does pop well, up I, on my screen when you Oh, you yourself. know what? It, I don't but, know. Okay. So it works for me if it works for you. Yeah, I think I hear you
0: cutting out some. Talk a little bit.
1: Am I cutting out? Because if I am, I'm going to fucking hang myself by the very cable I'm trying to speak through.
0: (laughs) I fucking, (laughs) I think it's your microphone, dude. I think you have a shitty mic. I got to send you that link. That's on me, dude. I fucking forgot. But you got to buy that uh, condenser mic, dude. It makes the world a difference.
1: I changed. Here's the thing. When I was full with
0: it, I lost you.